Thanks for tuning in to Beyond the Field podcast, powered by Money Empire Property and Financial Specialists. My name is Kane Wallstrom. I'm Ethan Asiwa. And today we have guest edition on Angus Brown from Aretha. Welcome, Angus, to uh, BTF. How are you, bud? I'm good, thanks. How are good, you guys? Good, good, good. Isa? Very good, very good. Mate, just to keep things nice and light before we get into the nitty-gritty, a sure. um, couple of quick-fire questions. First thing that come to your top of your head. Okay. Uh, Favourite holiday destination? Uh, Taupo. Ooh, love it, love it. Any car in the world to drive the length of New Zealand, what would it be? A Tesla. <laughs> First one. Cheap on gas. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, are you a good cook? If so, what's your best dish? I would say I am a medium to good cook, and my best dish uh, would have to be fish tacos. Oh, very easy, but yeah. Um, yeah, I get a lot of praise for them. Nice, nice. Um, any sports person in the world that you could take into a zombie apocalypse? Who would it be? Sports person in the world to take into um, probably uh, The Rock Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Surely. For sure. Uh, what Simpsons character would you be? Simpsons character, I would say, um, I mean, I grew up watching Bart. I'd say Bart. Yeah, love yep. it. Love it. Lastly, if you could live anywhere in the world for a year other than New Zealand, where would it be? Uh, I'd have to say Switzerland. Cool. Nice. Yep. Cool. Not for the volleyball team. No, uh, my partner's half Swiss. Uh, she wants to go back there. Uh, I've never been. Um, Nestle's headquarters is there. Nice. Uh, we speak to their always thinking, eh? Yeah, like and good it. skiing. Yeah. yeah, nice, mate. Um, so just to start it off, childhood, upbringing, um, family. Just talk us through it. Yep. Okay. Um, so uh, I had uh, two teachers for parents. And we moved around the country in my younger years and then settled in, in Hawke's Bay uh, where um, I, um, I went to school where my father was the, the headmaster. And what Nap- was that like? Napier Boys. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was interesting in, in, in third and fourth form, um, but a lot of my friends knew my dad as, as Angus's dad before right. he came to be Mr. Brown. Sweet. Um, so I had, had a good group of mates and... Um, I was never really mean to anyone and, you know, managed to develop a good um, crew of friends and then, uh, yeah, and just, you know, right into just your classic, you know, like sports and um, cricket and tennis and hockey and, um, you know, wakeboarding, surfing, whatnot, skating. Uh, And then I went down to Canterbury University um, with uh, one of my best mates and we both started off studying uh, civil engineering Um, and then we picked up DJing and uh, very quickly, uh, and I, I was also playing competitive hockey and um, played for Canterbury down there and then played over in Europe um, while I was at university. Um, and, but uh, quite quickly, DJing became the, um, the, the focus for my, my life. And uh, for a period of time, um, between I'd say like 2007 and 2011, I was like a semi professional DJ, I suppose. Yep. Like I was earning more money doing that than any other job that I had, you know. Um, during university and it was a lot of fun and you know you get paid up to two grand cash at the end of an evening yeah. for essentially partying with yeah. friends yeah. Um, and playing your favorite music to people yeah uh, so that um, so I learned quite quickly and then and then kind of during the university career um, switched over to finance and accounting um, just because civil engineering was just gonna take way too much time and and I was trying to play hockey as well and, yeah. and play music and so that was um, it was just too much of a, of a push at the time. And so, um, yeah, moved to uh, finish off with finance accounting, but I really loved brands. 
and uh, with with learning how to become a successful uh, DJ and, and as a brand, um, I really like the idea of um, advertising. And so I finished up with with finance and accounting at uni, and then trying to like knock on the door of these advertising agencies for a job. And they're like, you know, what experience do you have? And I was like, well, I was this like I'm a DJ. This, I was a DJ. <laughs> like, come on. Um, and we, know, we played like rhythm and vines and whatnot, but like so does everyone, oh. everyone these days. Um, uh, but you know, and then so, and then I realised that advertising was, was quite a bit of a commitment and, a, and a quite a big hustle. And my uncle, um, who I leaned to for advice every now and then, he was like, "Well, have you thought about like FMCG?" And I was like, "What the hell is FMCG?" And he said, "Fast-moving consumer goods." And so I thought, "Okay, that's, that's interesting." So he listed all these companies, and I was like, "Well, wow, these are some big, serious companies and some interesting brands here." And one of my other friends. Um, uh, his father started Antipodes Water, and so I was quite in, into beverages. Mm-hmm. And um, and then so a job came up working for uh, Frucor, so they sell V um, and a whole bunch of other. They're the largest non-alcoholic um, beverage producer in the country. And so my first job was a was a sales rep um, there, cruising around the country and um, or cruising around Auckland actually, and uh, and selling V and and other soft drinks into into Auckland. Um, and so. Yeah, I, uh, you know, really successful company um, and learned a few things, but deep down it just wasn't really agreeing with me selling caffeine and sugar into, into Auckland. How many how many um, teaspoons of sugar in a V or something? I've heard something it's crazy. Like nine, 10, 11, yeah. Um, and, and for me, the thing that hit the hardest was um, while I was at high school and then kind of um, finished up, up at university and then in my first year um, working for for Frucor, between that time I'd lost a friend to mental health and then two grandparents to, to brain related illnesses and so I started to think you know, am I really doing any good here and then I just remember selling a whole bunch of these large like 517 mil cans of V into this corner store and then watching a little girl walk out with one of these big cans yeah, yeah. and I was just like I'm not doing any, any good here so um, I started to think, you know, why can't we develop a, a drink for your brain, for, for brain health? And then I actually went back to the R&D department at Frucor and I was like, hey guys, let's do like a brain health drink, you know, let's do something that can, you know, help you perform, but also be good for your stress, your mental health, and then be healthy for your brain in the long term. And they were like, oh yeah, good idea, or we could just sell more V. And so I was like, well, okay, bugger this, I'm going to do it myself. And then that's when I came across uh, the food bowl, um, and it was it was a brand new, recently commercialised, thirty million dollar modular food factory out by the Auckland Airport. And I kind of just knocked on the front door and um, I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm Angus. I want to I want to make a brain drink. You know, yep. I, I hear you guys can probably help." And they're like, "Yeah, we actually can. This is what we've literally been commissioned for. Welcome." Um, I was the fourth ever client uh, to wow. use the facility. And then a, um, a job came up as business development manager there and I thought, oh shit, this would be quite a cool place to work. Yeah. So I put my hand up and like right time, right place. So I got the job and I guess the rest was, was history really. Just on, you know, jumping back, the education around energy drinks, um, you know, the Red Bull V, mm. we see um, everyday New Zealand kids going into a bakery in the morning and grabbing a pie and, uh, mm. and a V before school. Is there a complete lack of education around the impacts of certain drinks in the market? Yeah, I would say so. The um, or the, There is a, a level of education, but it is it is overwhelmed by the, the marketing and the positive um, associations that the, these energy drink companies are producing for the younger generations. And so 
you know, aligning with lead athletes and lead sport and these mm. like awesome events and music, um, they, uh, I guess, uh, coaxing them into, you know. But I, I think in this day and age now and progressively as we go on, um, <coughs> there is a heightened awareness and that's only going to keep growing. And there are, you know, there's really good shows uh, on TV One, like with the those two chefs going oh, and they, yeah. they audit um, the, yep. um, the the family's mm. food and they yep. say, yep. look, there's actually sugar in here, right or right. So... I think, um, but like back in 2010, when you know Red Bull just sent a man to the moon mm-hmm. almost, mm-hmm. and um, you know these massive events and people were just the consumption was just on the rise, and I was just like, how are we, how how is this happening? Yeah. So it was like the new Coke, new soft drink, you yeah. know. And um, so I think there is um, more awareness now, but we're wanting to, I guess, spearhead that and, and provide a, a better solution. It's funny because those powerful. Um, energy drinks like Red Bull V, they become a brand in itself in terms of you don't actually think of it as being what they are and harmful or, or a lot of caffeine and sugar mm. in them. It's just, oh, it's a Red Bull. And you see them sponsoring big events all around the world and all that kind of stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, like Formula One cars now <laughs> and like professional soccer teams and, and they are a massive brand and yeah. you got to give kudos to the founder for building it to, to that level. Yeah. Um, but there is, in saying that, there's now published studies showing the adverse health effects of energy drinks from yeah. a, especially from a cardiovascular point of view. So... Um, yeah, it's just like, I guess what we want to do is is have, have products and a company on in- integrity yep. and ensure that whatever we were um, delivering and producing into the world yep. um, made people healthier and happier. So before we get into the serious stuff, DJ name? <laughs> uh, cool Kids Club. Nice. <laughs> yep. And what sort of music? Uh, it was just like party fun yep. kind of electro old school mixture we st- like we basically played at all the flat parties at Canterbury University and um, you guys would have been gold and someone caught wind of us and then we ended up playing a gig with Dick Johnson mm. and then he brought wow. us up to Auckland and then we were suddenly on Georgia FM and then and then we kind of got linked into the I guess the you know the, the scene the nightlife gig scene in Auckland and then just around the country and, and then yeah and then probably the, the highlight would have been yeah like playing I think like 11 o'clock um, on New Year's Eve at Rhythm and Vines on the, on the forest main, stage main act yeah. Um, so yeah so like a heap of fun and but we came to a crossroads where we finished our degrees um, and it was either you know go and use your degree or try and yeah. become a professional and yeah. we started off like along with 660 and, and they were you know going gangbusters and we, we I went to school with two of them and but we were doing shows together and stuff and then um yeah, having two teachers and a headmaster as a as parents. It was Imagine that, Dan. I'm going to go for a DJing life. Oh no, I, I said I was like, I want to be the you know um, a beefer. No, 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 because I had also worked with um, Weta Workshop and created this um, other character, this fictional character, and doing more kind of experiential yep. visual stuff with projections. And I remember telling them, I was like, oh, I want to be the. New Zealand's version of Charlie Chapman and Banksy, but the music version. <laughs> I could I could hear their eyes roll over the phone. You know, that's going. Oh my god! And so I was like, okay, all right, I'll I'll do what you suggest and um and and go into u- utilize my degree and, and get a job. And, Fantastic. And, uh, so, talk us about Aripa. Like in terms of the journey you've been on, you've got a co-founder as well. So yes. were you guys friends previous to this? Or yeah, we were yeah. mates at university. Okay. And um, and I so I had this idea and uh, uh, one of my friends reminded me that um, our buddy Zach was a really talented industrial designer um, and just designer around actually. 
but and so what I wanted to to do was to create this custom bottle um, and, and at the time we were calling it a, a brainwave elixir or yeah. bra- brain elixir and um, it's like hey you know, bro, I've got this idea to doing this like new brain drink and it's going to be you know space age we're going to need an epic bottle I hear you can do those types of things and he's like yeah for sure and so we started working on this concept image um, so sorry is this before you started even getting to detail of the actual drink you guys like we need the packaging the look and the feel to be really key yeah yeah it was like um so you basically start like as an entrepreneur in a business and you guys would know this you just start spinning multiple plates yeah and so and so one of those plates was the the packaging and the image yeah and that just happened to i guess be the first thing that i was able to tick off within my network and my own capability and And sometimes it's back to front too right totally and um and and, you know we never end up using that um, space age bottle because it was going to cost too much for the tooling. But what we did do is the money that we were about to spend on that, we yep. invested into a clinical trial, Fantastic. and um, and that's probably helped build the value of our company so much more. But yep. it was a really awesome experience, and and so the first I guess asset the company had was this like amazing render image of this like beautiful you know elixir bottle yep. that I could take to investor meetings or take to um, meetings with neuroscientists and say hey look I'm looking at you know designing a, a brain drink and this is what it's going to look like and you can and having that asset you could um, I guess um, sell them into your idea and yep. your dream and then from there they were like okay this guy's half serious he's at least got an image because yeah. um, you know I was still just Angus Brown off the street to a lot of these neuroscientists and these you know food technologists and stuff like that and the investing part of it is key because even though you have a great product and you believe in it too it's all about selling yourself as well so people have to believe in you yeah as an individual going right we're going to throw money at you to actually go into this yeah for sure and you have to um you always just be on your game to pitch um you know whether you think it's not the right time or you think oh no i shouldn't be doing it right now like you 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 probably should be if you're thinking about it and if you're in front of someone that you want their help for yeah um so yeah and preconceived ideas to meetings too right i've learned a long time ago around that not going to a meeting think this is the outcome yeah yeah you have goals with what you want to get out of it yeah but um listen a lot more and and just never burn bridges and um and i just call it uh politely hustling and it's just you know um it's getting as much out of it as you can but also building a rapport and a relationship and a friendship with with that person um so that you know you can help them out when they um are looking for help and then or advice or you know thoughts and and then vice versa fantastic so tell me obviously the two of you come up with this idea are you guys like every other entrepreneur in Kiwis and New Zealand, scraping together money to, to, to get something on the table? Did you bring investors early? Did you look to family? How did that work for you? Yeah, so uh, the the first um, uh, investment that we needed to make, um, or the first spend that we needed to make, was uh, we managed to um, uh, convince this world-renowned neuroscientist to develop a formula for us and he was based over in Melbourne. He's a British neuroscientist and has published over 180 peer-reviewed journal articles on the effects of natural compounds on the brain. Wow. If you're a scientist and you're publishing studies, you know, on average, you're probably doing anywhere from 10 to 30. This guy's done like 180, mm. so absolute machine. Um, worked for, you know, Nestle's headquarters in Switzerland on chocolate, um, cocoa polyphenols. Mm. He's done stuff for GlaxoSmithKline, Unilever, um, basically like kind of the go-to guy. He's a heavy hitter in that world. In space, and and I I called him up, and he was kind of like, who, from where, you know? (laughs) 
I was like, Angus from New Zealand. Okay, <laughs> mate. Um, I was like, I'm flying over. Uh, you know, so, you know, would you, you know, I hear you do work for people. Um, I'm a small startup, so I'm at the other end and kind of, but I was like, hey, I've worked for this energy drink company. Um, my day job is working for New Zealand government and food tech. You know, I'd love to come over and visit you at some stage. Um, and learn about what you do. I'm interested in developing a, a brain drink, which I think is right in your pocket. Um, and is this something that you'd be be interested in, in working with, with with us on? And you know, let us know how much it's going to cost. Yeah. And so you know, he kind of said, okay, well, forty thousand um, dollars, and give me three months. And and this was yeah, 2012, 13. So how old you? How old were you then? Uh, I would have been twenty. Yeah, so 40 G's back then. 40 G's. A lot of coin, right? For a young person. A lot of coin. And and so, you know, I had had next to nothing to stump up with. Um, But uh, Zach's father um, is a successful businessman. And... um, and so he put that seed capital in, awesome. and uh, and so that got us off to the start. And then and then so so we had two assets now. So we had a, a really beautiful image of our future product, yep. and we had this uh, formula presented in a forty-page confidential report, you know, listing wow. all the ingredients that we should use, and also all the ingredients that we could use later. Um, wow. That that kind of fit our criteria and so the criteria that we said to him was like we wanted something that could enhance mental performance like an energy drink but without containing caffeine yeah because caffeine exasperates stress yeah and then at the same time and anxiety right and anxiety and at the same time we want it to reduce stress and anxiety without making you drowsy because a lot of things that reduce your stress anxiety also make you drowsy or sleepy And um, and so, but with none of the side effects. So best of both worlds, without any of the side effects. And then on top of all of that, along with being scientifically robust and potential for synergies for intellectual property, um, uh, could you please source at least one of those ingredients from New Zealand? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So was that your? Way? Have you patented this so far? In terms yeah, of your, yeah, yeah. I've got two patents on it now. So was that your getting something from New Zealand, sourcing something from New Zealand? That was your way to. To patent that, was um, it or? well, because it becomes hard that side. Eh? Yeah, in my mind, it was like you know, New Zealand's this you know rich land of um, of flora and fauna that yep. have mm. really amazing bioactive um, properties, and because of our um, unadulterated sunlight. Um, I always get stuck up with that word. Um, <laughs> the the we have really high UV exposure, and so our plants produce um, higher amounts of their polyphenols associated with health and wellness compared to the same varieties grown anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and so we get so we just get more antioxidants than the same fruit grown in New Zealand versus elsewhere, which is incredible. And um, and so yeah, we wanted something from New Zealand because we wanted to vertically integrate with that supply chain and so when we were to scale to the world we had something that was unique to us back here and then also we wanted to I guess just represent New Zealand on the world stage and promote New Zealand based ingredients because you know and I was seeing that like the Manuka honey industry pop off and I thought surely we can do something better than just Manuka honey and so yeah and, and he came back with with two ingredients so one better, and so one was this unique to New Zealand um, pine bark extract, cool. and it's um, it's Pinus radiata, so it's the byproduct of the timber industry. It's unique in the sense of how the um, New Zealand company have patented it, and it's used traditionally as a, a natural alternative to Ritalin for ADD, ADHD yep. children, and then used in higher doses for concussion recovery or stroke recovery. And then the yep. other key ingredient 
um, is New Zealand black currants, and New Zealand black currants are proven to increase performance um, almost better than caffeine. Um, but the particular variety that we've honed in on, we called neuroberry because it has um, interesting science around uh, inhibiting a particular enzyme responsible for things like depression or mm. dementia or Parkinson's. So we're doing more research on that now to, to get a to be more confident and be able to what we can say with yep, it. Yeah, but yeah. we have a lot of really amazing and heartwarming case studies from um, our consumers who put it on Facebook or Google yep. saying, I have way better days on Arepa versus without. I have, you know, depression, chronic fatigue, dementia, Parkinson's, and we go, oh, you know, whew, like that, they don't need to say that, but they are, and it's like, it really gives us the warm fuzzies and it keeps us going, because, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's running a startup. It's, yeah. it's, it's tough times. You need wins, eh, all along the way. Wins, yeah. Before, I know Ish has probably got a ton of questions around the concussion side from mm -hmm. his 15 years of playing professional footy, but I just want to touch on the name quickly, obviously. Did the name come to you straight away, or was this uh, a byproduct of exactly doing what you're doing and then going, right, how are we going to, what are we going to call this? Um, so we, we originally wanted to call it Alpha. Um, because what our goal with this drink is, um, is we wanted it to activate uh, one of one of the briefs um, within the criteria for the, the neuroscientists was that we wanted it to activate alpha brainwaves. Mm. And we know from um, research in psychology that higher amounts of alpha brainwave activity relate to the state of flow that psychologists deem essentially as the zone. Mm. So we wanted our drink to essentially get you in the zone. And so we thought, and, and it has to do everything with, with alpha brainwaves. And so we thought, well, you know, alpha um, is obviously a really awesome name. So let's call it that. But trying to trademark, trademark alpha in this day and age <laughs> uh, is, is impossible. Yeah. And Joe Rogan had actually just launched, just as we had developed our formula. Our company is, is Alpha Gen. Um, short for Alpha Generation, and yep. so, and we were literally about to um, look at investigating trademarking Alpha, and then Joe Rogan brings out Alpha Brain, his nootropic supplement um, company, yeah. and so, and we were just like, oh. yeah. <laughs> but then I then took a step back, and um, uh, yeah, I was having a a, um, a chat to a few friends, and then. Um, uh, one of my uh, good mates who's from Nati Poro, um, he said, well, what about Arepa? And, and I was just like, what's that? And he's like, that's, that's today for Alpha. And I was like, that's epic. Yeah, and, um, good old East yeah. Coast coming through, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I, I just thought, that's such an awesome name. And so we, we went through the um, Maldi Tribunal and, um, and we're fortunate enough where Zach, my co-founder, he's... Um, He's got Iwi going back to um, Napui, and so yeah, we managed to get permission to to, to have um, Arepa trademarked for food and beverage. beverage. Awesome, well, that's a win right there, right? Yeah, and it's um it's it's really quite um it's really unique. Mm. Um, the it is um, Arepa is used as a uh, cornbread in Venezuela, so Latin America are familiar <laughs> with Arepa, and um, so you so want New Zealand translation. <laughs> so we need the New Zealand translation, um, and it is a slight. 
difference in how you pronounce it. Um, it's a wee more arepa, and uh, and we have the the line above the a. Um, but we're really proud of it, and it's something unique to us that we can you know showcase on the, on the world stage and, and do it justice. It's a cool name. I like I like brands or names when there's actually something more to it substance behind. To there's it. Sub, yeah, yeah, that's the word substance yeah. to the actual brand or name. Which yeah, is really cool. it tells a story in itself. Yeah. Totally. And um, and so in Maldivism, you know, Arepa and Omega, you know, Alpha and Omega, mm, and yeah. and a lot of it um, means for um, uh, for them is is also the beginning. And so um, we think that you know we are a solution to the beginning of their biggest moment in the day. So whether it's someone heading into an exam or doing a some public speaking, you know, if you begin with Arepa, yep. um, you set yourself up for a better moment. Yeah. So I, I I just have this in my in my brain for going back to obviously what you're you're getting. I see this mad scientist offshore, like in this room, just peddling away hours and hours getting stuff done. Gives you this report. Yeah. From there, what do you guys go do? Like, what's the next steps in doing this? So you gave us a list of um, primarily three ingredients, um, and so the you know the extracts and the levels that he was suggesting that you know they're quite efficacious, but it means that we're putting in pretty serious amounts. Yeah. And so literally, we we go home, bought the ingredients. Are you you personally just went and brought the ingredients and, and well, had it? Yeah, so like I engaged with, we, we, I, I touched base with a supplier of the right. pine bark extract. There's only one in the country and then um, a company that could do blackcurrant extracts and then literally just kind of pour them into water, mix them up, right. consumed it and then... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, so they, yeah, pine bark tastes like shit. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, and so um, so what we had to go. Okay, now we've got this um, this formula. Let's try and develop a, a base matrix that it can go into that's tasty and at the same time healthy and natural. Uh, so we worked with clever um, uh, food technologists um, for a large flavor house, and they found some natural flavors that could mask the bitterness yep. and astringency. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we managed to, and then we um, used black currant juice as well, and then a bit of organic Bostock apple juice from Hawke's Bay, um, the buddies of mine, and uh, yeah, we managed to create this like nicely flavoured um, beverage that you, uh-huh. you you taste today. And how long did that take from start to finish? To all this? Oh, that took like the flavour stuff took like over a year. Okay. Um, and and so were, this were you was sitting around doubting, going, is this ever going to happen? Oh yeah, I was beginning to be the boy who cried Arepa. <laughs> um, and, uh, but so, so my day job, I was working for the Food Bowl and yep. I was helping companies develop new food and beverage concepts. And so I was really in the most perfect place. And, and luckily, um, the, the, the board and the executive team at the Food Bowl, they allowed the staff to um, develop their own idea so that they had an empathy and understanding of what it was like to be a startup. So we knew how to help and engage with startups. Awesome. So a lot of the engineers um, in the in the factory, um, you know, we were making craft beer, and, yeah. and my craft beer was this this brain drink. And um, so I would be literally taking annual leave off and going in to be a client again, and um, and using the food bowl, and then just working with the team to figure out how how we could make it um, better. Yeah. Um, while paying you know normal customer rates i yeah. wasn't getting hooked up because we were government so yeah. i had to pay through the teeth to, to you know to do what we needed but um the our investors were 
we're bought into the idea and but it took like yeah from idea to it's taken like seven plus years yeah. and we've only been in market for you know two and a half type yeah. thing three and so uh, there was a point where obviously you guys do all the costings and you need to produce yeah and there was a point where okay cool we need some private investors or equity groups into this yeah thing. so we um so we brought on uh we've had probably three small family and friend rounds yep i'd say um and over those three rounds we've brought on um uh, five investors in total yeah uh so one of them is the the company that does the pine bark extract oh, so cool. for for me what i'm all about is um is strategic advantage yep. scalability and exclusivity and just building up you know barriers to entry um so that when we go global you know no one can replicate and um and so we and so the pine bark extract company came on board um when we were going to the university of auckland to undertake our first clinical study yep and so um and they said hey and and this was at the crossroads that i mentioned before around either took paying for the tooling for the the beautiful bottle or um paying for our first clinical study and so you know cooler minds smarter <laughs> yeah. minds prevailed and so we paid for the clinical study yeah. and at that point in time i was kind of in deeper conversations with our pine bark supplier because they were a key ingredient and so they said hey you know if you decide to do the clinical study we'll come on board and invest yeah. and so i was like okay I'll, i should probably do the clinical study <laughs> yeah. and and in return for investment we also got exclusive use to their key ingredient um, cool. and all these other benefits with you know when you vertically integrate with with your yep. supply chain um, and then two other in independent private investors and yep. then a, a, a food and beverage uh, venture capital fund yep. um, in New Zealand called Marmot and they have got investments in, in other food companies. And so I, and then I, by bringing on especially that fund and the supply chain helped add value and capability to my knowledge base and, and um, with the, the food and beverage fund um, came with a you know an ex um, uh, Deloitte partner you know accounting numbers guy and, and yeah. so I'm not that good at numbers and so you know in terms of big sophisticated spreadsheets um, so having someone on board really helped kind of refine yep. and tighten things up which was fantastic and then the most recent round we brought on um, one of New Zealand's largest black currant growers uh, so he used to supply you know Ribena Global yep wow. and um, wow. and so we're doing you know we're only capturing a very small amount of what he grows each year. Um, produces each year in terms of black currants but we know that when we say go to the us and we're producing you know 180 million units a year um, that's the figure that we calculated we would be at max capacity with the supplier before yep. we need to go to the next grower yeah um, so he can do quite large volumes so so now we have this really awesome story and we can trace back from bottle to the, the farm gate um, from where the pine was sourced and where the black currant was sourced um, so for us it gives us you know transparency a story um, scalability which is what we're talking with the you know multinationals of this world now um, I can't really tell you who but a lot of them their first question is and can you scale and what about scale yeah. and we're yeah. saying yeah like scale is no problem that's what people want right and that's where your biggest profit margins are on scalability well yes in the traditional sense going through you know retail in this old world but now that we're heading into online mm. direct to consumer um we control the the experience and it is literally it's us and then the consumer yep. and so there's no middlemen there's no distributors yep. there's no retailers 
um, and and that's in a world that we're really quite excited about, and that's going to be our strategy heading into Australia and, and the US. Just touching on uh, for all the listeners out there that are entrepreneurs, in terms of your um, the, the private investor side, what did you go through to determine how much you're going to allocate or how much you'll give away of your company, or what they'll buy in for? Because that's a process in itself. Um, what was your thoughts around that? So at each stage, um, there's a bit of gut feel. Um, I was lucky enough to work with my uncle um, in this department who um, who was a partner at Chapman Trip um, yep. in m a So I was really, really fortunate, to be honest, um, where I could lean on his advice with regards to how we gut feel value the company, what the what we think the investors coming on are, are willing to, to pay at yep. what price, and also you know show that we can build value in our company over the period of time. So, you know, we were worth a million bucks here, and now that we've ticked off this clinical study, um, we've got patent applications, we've got a product in market, we expect to grow, you know, this much in the next year. Yep. Um, and we expect to capture, you know, X percent of the of the market. Um, then we believe our value should be, you know, this three million, four million. Yep. I don't know. So um, those were the, I guess, the, the things you think about. And then also we went and spoke with a number of other people who invest in these types of ventures to just get a feel for early stage, you know, pre-revenue or early revenue proof of concept companies. And um, and really, it is the the other things to take into account is the team um, and the, the IP and the market potential. And you really are bringing them on this early. You, you're, you're bringing them on for the potential. You know, you're not, you can't base your, your value on what revenue you're doing over the last six months since launching because that's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, and you guys were always on the mindset, you and the founder, of we need to hold majority share to control who we are and what we want to be in the future. Um, Yes, like, you know, that's a constant battle and the money pretty much always wins at the end of the day. But, um, yeah, we we've we have held on to as much as we can. Um, you know, unfortunately, I don't come from, from any wealth, so it's like, you know, I'd love to just bankroll this myself. Yeah. But um, these things are really risky and really, um, you know, they take a lot of money to, to kick off. Um, so we have to bring on investment, but there are things like uh, employee share option programs that can allow founders to maintain equity um, uh, throughout the rounds um, if they don't have any equity to stump up themselves. That's fantastic. To in governance level, you guys formed a board and yeah, uh, so we have a board. So it's the um, it's the suppliers. It's um, uh, one of our. It's it's basically the majority of the investors cool. um, that are on the board at the moment. And they're and great then, networking groups. And what you get around in a, in a room, totally. and yeah. yeah, you learn a lot yeah. from those. And they're really sure. a lot of them are senior, you know, experienced in um, consumer electronics, global, you know, the scale that they deal with, uh, you know. So so when you're getting to producing millions of units, Angus. Yeah. And, you know, and so I'm like, you know, <laughs> producing tens of thousands at the moment. I thought I was doing okay, but millions, okay, yep, yeah, yeah, we can do that. So your first unit that went out, do you remember? Yeah. Yep, yeah, where was it? Uh, so that went into, well, we, we had a small event um, uh, that um, we um, launched into. It was opening up a yoga studio, but the, probably the, the, the first most commercial um, uh, product uh, we were ma- manufacturing ourselves by hand at the food bowl using um, a, a different type of technology at the time. So I literally, you know, I hand capped, you know, every second bottle and wow, you know, wow. filled every, you know, like really we went from doing 80 litre batches 
at the food bowl up to about 2,500 litre batches and like 80, 80 litres every once a month to 2,500 litres, you know, every two weeks to now we're doing anywhere from 5,000 to 20,000 litres every month. Uh, but that's now outsourced. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> um, but that went into, into Farrow's supermarkets cool. and, you know, I thought then like, cracked it yeah. you know can retire now yeah and that was really just the the start get that like, tesla get that tesla <laughs> so yeah it, it was um it was a really awesome moment and it was a proud day because we had spent a lot of time you know in the background that no one really knew about doing the science um and and yeah and then that first bottle going into Ferris, i definitely remember for sure and fast forwarding to today, you're you're sort of talking off off air before where you're at at the moment. Yep. So uh, we're in yeah about uh, over ninety New World supermarkets, about ten pack and saves. We go into I think like at least fifty countdown supermarkets next month. Thirty BP um, petrol stations, about a hundred uh, hundred or so cafes, um, and then we've done over five thousand um, orders online so far wow. to, to customers. And that's our um, entire different world. Entire different world, yeah, yeah. So with with COVID, we obviously lost a lot of our cafes and um, and the metro supermarkets where corporate professionals would be buying our product or students would be buying our product. Um, so our revenue, we were you know like a lot of beverage and food you know companies, yeah. we, we lost a lot during during lockdown. But the thing that held us was was online, and we managed to grow online you know thirty percent month on month. Yeah. Um, since lockdown and it's still it's still holding and still growing um, so we think that there is what's, what COVID has done is it's essentially accelerated the adoption of online by at least like 12 months if not if not more and so <coughs> we, we've managed to I guess acquire a better share of voice during that lockdown period because advertisers were, were pulling out those who couldn't trade we were fortunate enough to be an essential service because um, we were supplying to supermarkets and actually into hospital cafes we sell more in a, in a few cafes to um, busy doctors and nurses than we do to some of the main supermarkets in this country. Wow. Um, so they realise the importance of it? Yeah, they're switched on. They know the benefits. And what we understand both from our, our own science, the published science and the anecdotal evidence is that the more stressed, the more anxious, the, the more the consumer has a cognitive-related concern, the bigger the felt effect that Arepa can produce for them. And so, you know, a stressed nurse doing 12-hour shift in Nani ward, you know, that's pretty yep. highly cognitively demanding. Mm. And so, um, yeah, they, they see the benefits and, and they can feel the effects. And well, that's fantastic in itself for them to represent that, right? Because yeah, their, their work's pressure cooker. You know, they're looking, they're looking yep. after human lives. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so we're proud to, to know that we, we supply, you know, um, you know, people in this in this industry. Um, and as well as a number of other industries that we you know, we're proud to know that we supply and help people during their key moments of the of the week, mm. um, and so yeah, it's exciting and it just shows the potential um, for what we're what we're sitting on. Definitely, jumping on to the, the sports side. Well, obviously, sports is you know it's a pressure cooker environment. Top yeah. sports teams across New Zealand. Has it been hard to break the mold of? the education around high performance and getting your product into certain sport teams? Yeah, so I mean, we so we first developed this formula. Um, we did one clinical study uh, that we learned a few things on and we never published it um, because it was informing us on how we could improve our formula. 
Um, and so there were some pros and there were some cons with it. And so we reformulated and optimized and then went back into, into research and did an, uh, and are doing more clinical studies. And so like I think um, four years ago, I think we, we signed an NDA with High Performance Sport to say, hey, like we're looking to head into this world you know, you guys are aware of the benefits of New Zealand blackcurrant. Um, we contain a very high amount of blackcurrant, but a particular variety. And also we have these other um, key ingredients that we believe can help assist sport and elite sport. And they're like, yeah, cool. Okay, well, you know, let us know how you want to work. And um, what, when we when that new clinical study comes through, we'd love to, we'd love to talk. Um, so we kind of, and the cost to serve elite sport is really high. I could spend, you know, months just trying to get the contract for, you know, the Auckland Blues and they would return, you know, 30 people times, you know, 15 games, yep. or I could just sell them to two countdowns and, and I'd make the same amount of money. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And so, and as a startup, we don't have any cash to do high level sponsorship. So... Um, it's a it's a blessing and a curse at the same time because you do want to be involved because they influence you know a lot of other people through different means and it's good to for us the thing that really excites me is actually proving and earning our right to to be where we are to say that like along with selling in supermarkets we do actually supply to the elite you know people of, of this world not only sport um, and it might not, we might not make any money there, but it's just something that we want to personally tick off as a, as a company. And so we, um, but the, the good news for us recently is that we, um, we worked with the University of Auckland and High Performance Sport to undergo a, a clinical study looking at, um, we like to test how Arepa can um, improve mental performance through different types of stress. So previously we were doing like mental stress um, and this one was looking into physical stress and so we, we physically fatigued uh, athletes and we either gave them um, before 90 minutes of strenuous exercise we either gave them a taste match placebo or arepa and, um, and those who consumed arepa afterwards when we put them through a battery of um, cognitive tests after the exercise um, came out with um, increased accuracy, increased cognitive function, increased reaction speed and um, the results were um, significantly improved more so than, than the placebo. And, um, and and so much so that it was worth publishing in a, in a, in a sure, journal. And sure. so that was really exciting. And so for us, we could then take that data and present it to um, the New Zealand and Australian Dietetics uh, Conference in Melbourne. And there you're literally presenting to every nutritionist from every, every major team um, within Australia and New Zealand. And after after presenting that, you know, we had inquiries from, you know, AFL, NFL, you know, NHL, just all, all the sporting yeah. codes. Um, and, and so now it's kind of just going back and forth with those dietitians and seeing what works and what budgets they have, if they have any. And because a lot of the, you know, like outside of the All Blacks, there's not too much money, you know, in, in New Zealand, Australian sport, like, you know, from a nutritional point of view. Um, we've, had a, we've had a nutritionist on previously and the differences in budget yeah. um, from, you know, English rugby, sports mm. in England, sports in America, to then coming back to New Zealand and understanding the real true size of budgets is yeah. mind-blowing, the differences. Yeah, yeah, is, is nothing. So, um yeah, so we we do what we can where we can, and if there's an, and if they really want it, you know, we'll, we'll supply it as long as they're you know best in class in their field. 
otherwise we just sell it to them like we sell every other you know supermarket because um, we otherwise we'll just go under if we're giving products away the whole yeah. time mm-hmm. but it's been really awesome and from that we've engaged with the likes of um, Jed Milden so he's the only Kiwi to ride for Nitro Circus only man in the world to do four backflips in a BMX that's cool and um, and so he, he consumes us when he and performs for Nitro Circus um, and yeah we've, we've we supply the All Blacks and um, uh, we can't talk about it, you know, yeah. publicly mm-hmm. using their logo or whatnot, but, um, yeah, we deal with the industry. You might be able to move forward with this private equity thing that I've, I've seen coming. <laughs> yeah, in yeah, 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 possibly. Um, or get, get the All Blacks to invest in Aripa <laughs> and then, um, yeah. But, uh, so, you know, it's... And then you learn a lot around what high performance requires. And so you need to go get this test done through informed sport to make sure that you're compliant with World Anti-Doping Association. But every time you test and you have to test each batch, you know, it costs almost $1,000 every time you test. And we're producing batches regularly. And so it's quite a high cost to serve that market. And so we think we're really interested in this space and we want to enable people within New Zealand to perform as best they can for any particular moment, including sport. And, um, and what we do now is we just give like, really warm discounts to athletes so they can buy through us direct. Um, is that on an individual basis or from a team? Uh, both. both, yeah. If it's, if it's a team, we'll, we'll supply to them if they have the budget. Um, and then from an individual athlete, because you know, some of these people wanted to go to the Olympics, you know, mm. they're spending the whole time training and they're, so they don't, they're not working. So we do, we do hook, hook those people up um, and then just give them a, like basically a cost, you know, it's just costing them the, the cost yeah. it takes us to produce. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we want to try and enable as many people to, to get to their, their best possible state. Yeah. So in terms of um, ambassadors, do you have any any ambassadors on board at the moment for you? Yeah, so yeah. like so Jed Milden's That's one. Um, and then we've got, uh, I guess, very loosely, um, Sam Kane and Brad Weber cool. as um, as guys who have been supporters from the, the early days. And, um, and then we know that a number of the other... Uh, all Blacks take it, but like we can't talk about it, yep. and, and they have they have beverage sponsorships yep. from you know almost the enemy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's funny that 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 we're the thing that they consume if you go into their fridge. Um, and then we have you know, like health and wellness, mindful people, and then just we have not formal ambassadors, but just advocates throughout the you know professional and um, and medical communities. Tell me, marketing strategy. Yeah, for you, you guys. Obviously, you're talking about um, direct to online is going quite hard. Do you guys do a lot of um, social media or Google AdWord advertising? Well, how are you doing managing that space? Yeah, so um, we don't do a heap. We we try to like we try to get a positive return on ad spend. So um, and so we've engaged with a, a friend who um, has helped optimize our search engine optimization, our Google AdWords. And then we in-house produce um, our content for Facebook, Instagram, um, and then they're then deployed into performance marketing ads. Um, and so we're getting at the moment like a five to one return on ad spend, um, which is really good That's investment. Good, yeah. yeah. Um, but is your space competitive there? 
Um, it is if you're a supplement, a capsule, okay. but yeah. for beverages, we're pretty unique throughout Australasia. There's a, a company in Australia that is tr- trying to do something similar, but they're essentially just still caffeine. Yeah. Um, but there's a few brands in the States that we're watching very closely. And so for us, it's like producing really interesting content. Um, but we do a lot of email marketing, which is, I guess, for free. And we d- we've developed that database through um, being at events and signing people up to our database in return for winning um, a prize and and that helps us gather that um, that database online Absolutely. and then we, we we kind of we focus on on marketing to that and emailing to that but that also requires us to spend quite a bit of time yeah. um, producing blog content and do you outsource and that at the moment? no we, we do it yeah. ourselves okay. yeah so we're trying to be quite a, um, a capital efficient uh, model so that we can show a good narrative for investors coming on board that we're not burning money and we're yeah. actually um, turning a profit yeah um, and so, we, but we we have got we've got so much more to, to learn and to, and to work on. But what COVID did was that it forced us to get really granular on um, how we do online and and how we um, play where the sun is shining and yeah. which is which is online. What is your day to day running of the business now? What does a day to day workday look like for you? Uh, it's um, probably the first until ten o'clock. It's get through a mountain of emails and just chip away at that forever growing um, number of unread emails. And then at ten o'clock, we have a, a, a virtual now sta- stand up with our with our team, um, who are based kind of throughout Auckland. And then after that, it's just managing the key um, projects that we have on board. And so for me, it's um, it's like big key export sale opportunities. And um, and manage managing investors and shareholders, um, and just making sure like the overall company is going where where it should be. And then we've got a, a team, a, a sales manager who looks after New Zealand New Zealand sales and does a bit of the social and and marketing email content. An operations manager who keeps everything really tidy from a, a numbers point of view. Um, and then uh, and then my co-founder Zach, who is the runs our um, our e-commerce store and anything to do with packaging branding. Um, and then we all kind of do other various things, but um, our team's relatively autonomous. Um, and then also actually um, my mum, she's come on board and, and is like our number one sales rep and, and also customers, cool. customer Sweet. service customer cool. service support. Yep. Um, so she does a great job at making sure that um, whoever buys online knows that their, their shipment's on its way and here's the tracking and, and whatnot. So I would ask for all the entrepreneur listeners out there, and this is a question I get asked all the time, it's bloody hard starting a business and owning it and running it, right? Everyone thinks, oh, you get time off, you get to buy all the flash cars, you know, all that kind of stuff. How long did it take you to go, right, I can actually leave my job now and at least pay myself an income that will just cover my base expenses? Yeah, so that process probably took a year and a half, I'd say, to get to a point where I needed to go full-time to do a better job at, you know, and I was like, look, it's like... I'm in X amount of new worlds and I can get into more if I leave and I'm serious about this. I raised the money because I said I was serious about this. Yep. We've done the clinical study. Like it's, it's time. Um, and yeah, but yes, it's, it's, it's really hard. And yeah, I'd, I mean, if I stayed in the professional world, I'd be earning, you know, two, three, four times more than I am right now. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thrill of chase, right? Yeah. Yeah. Key people who have shaped your journey along the way? Um, I guess I was really fortunate where I developed a, a, a wide network of um, uh, subject matter experts 
um, through working at the food bowl. So I was really fortunate there. Um, I could speak to them, but probably like parents for, you know, believing in me and just saying never give up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the most important I'd say. And then after that um, it would be the board uh, who, who are our investors. And it's really them saying, you know, we, we believe in you Angus and we're, we're in for this ride. There's a lot of uh, a lot of entrepreneurs have been on um, the podcast this year. Anything you would do differently? They always have one mm. thing that they sort of put a put a pen on and go. You know what? I'd do that differently. Um, yeah, probably just how we just that you could always spend less when you think about it in hindsight. So it would I probably could have saved you know fifty to a hundred k maybe just on how we would spend, but you you don't know at the time and engaging with you know consultants and you know spending all this money on you know X Y Z branding or whatever you know and so it's probably just um, I could I could be more capital efficient with the money coming in, but you don't know that as a twenty four year old. It's all about learning, eh? Like yeah. no matter what, if it's a dollar or a hundred million, yeah. it's it's the it's the pathway you take and, and yeah. the learnings you take. Yeah. What do you obviously outside of this? What do you do for for fun? Who you are? Hobbies? Yeah. What do um, so uh, yeah, I play golf um, for for fun with friends. Um, and you're drinking on the course, I'm guessing. Of your drink, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For the sort out for the back nine, and then probably have something slightly more fermented afterwards. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just love just catching because I, I guess working quite hard right now. Um, I'm not. I don't have too much social time. Just bought a house, so we've, we've just done a full renovation on on that place. Um, Which is. Yeah, that takes, that, that, yeah. Takes, that takes time. Um, really lucky that my partner, um, she kind of ran that job. So, you know, we could have our responsibilities and know, you know, where each other stands. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I just like a bit of hockey, a bit of golf, um, catching up with mates. I still DJ very occasionally for friends now that are getting married. Um, right. So, so the engagement parties or the weddings? Uh, no, so for, for the weddings, I've turned oh, into wow. like the wedding DJ, <laughs> um, which is, yeah, like if my uh, if my you know younger self who was wanting to be a professional would see me now, he'd probably be quite disgusted. But um, it's actually like a really awesome special time and you're getting, getting to play, you know, for your, one of your good mates, like best days of their lives. Yeah. And, and so that that's really awesome. Um, and it, you know, like, but extra cash coming through also pays for um, pays the renovation work. So, <laughs> absolutely, mate. Awesome to hear your journey today. Just to keep things nice and light to finishing off, a cool. couple uh, quick fire questions. Yep. Favorite drink when you were a kid? Oh, sparkling duet. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah, mate. If you could have the superpower out of invisibility, supersonic speed, or you could fly. Oh, I mean, you can't, you'd have to say flying, right? Like, that's, uh, that, you're flying. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you an early riser or a night owl? Night owl. Mm. Have you ever sent an email or text message to the wrong person? Yes. <laughs> Would you rather be Batman or Iron Man? Iron Man. Nice. And lastly, your favourite holiday of the year? Uh, Waitangi Day. Uh, it's my birthday. Oh, fantastic. And to round things out, give us a bit of an elevated pitch on, on why to use or why to drink Arepa uh, over the other products. Yeah, cool. So so Arepa, we're a brain food technology company. Our goal is to improve the, the health and function of brains worldwide. One in six humans are affected by a neurological illness of some sort, and we believe that our product can help 
Um, so we're 100% natural, caffeine-free, smart drink designed to increase mental performance and reduce things like uh, anxiety and stress. Fantastic. Throw us out there where we can find your product again. So you can find us at uh, www.drinkarepa.com. That's D-R-I-N-K-A-R-E-P-A.com. Cool. And social handles? Yeah, just at Drink Arepa. Awesome. Hey, Angus, brilliant, mate. It's been a pleasure to hear your journey, where you've come from and how far you have come. And hopefully we see you on the real big world stage soon. Yeah, appreciate it for having me. Good Thanks man. so much. Thanks again for listening in to Be On The Field podcast. Uh, it was a pleasure having Angus Brown um, to go through his journey uh, as a young entrepreneur and where he's cracking it in today's uh, market. If you are keen on this podcast or any other podcast so far, you can see them and hear them on moneyempire.co.nz or follow us on all social handles.